Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And when you're making a piece of art that's going to take years, that's a really tricky thing. But for some reason, this film, I almost felt as if I was being pulled. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, the 118th episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. You can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. As you heard last week in our special edition episode with THP Radio, we are trying a different focus here on the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, and that is really to figure out exactly what makes this game tick for everybody. What makes golf fun for you? And part of that the commonality that we all share is golf equipment. Now, we all know that many of the game's greats have contributed a great deal to not only how we enjoy the game, but also how we play the game with different levels of golf equipment and brands that they've created. One of those brands, perhaps and arguably the best brand of all, was the Ben Hogan Golf Company and those that preceded it. To join us today is probably, in my opinion, the expert in all things Ben Hogan, and that is friend of the podcast, Mr. Christo Garcia. Christo, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Adam? I'm doing fantastic. And Christo, you've uh, this is now the third time, I believe, that we've had you on the show. The previous two were to talk about your outstanding YouTube channel, My Swing Evolution. And then following that, you created a fantastic golf instruction video, The Hogan Code. And so we've brought you on today not only to talk a little bit more about how your journey to emulate and to learn more about the great Mr. Ben Hogan, how how that journey has continued, but also to talk about a very exciting piece of work that you've just developed and released not too long ago. And, And maybe you can tell our listeners what that piece of work is. Well, uh, the first year that I started my swing evolution, um, I started. I decided to rebuild my swing in 2010, and uh, and I decided to rebuild it using Mr. Hogan's five lessons. And then I started a YouTube channel in 2011 because my original goal was simply to break 80, and then I did that within three months and broke 80 14 times that year. And I was so excited about what was happening with the transformation of my game that I decided to start a YouTube channel. And I really had no idea where it was going to lead me. Um, but here I am now seven years into this and, uh, I'm sponsored by the Ben Hogan golf equipment company. My channel has 12 million views. I've broken par. And, and, uh, because I'm a television producer and director and also a filmmaker, it always been in the back of my mind that I'd like to make a film about Ben Hogan. 
And so I'm honored to say that I've just released a, a new documentary feature film called Mr. Hogan. I've had the opportunity from your generosity to, to uh, view an advanced viewing of Mr. Hogan. And listeners, believe me when I say that I, I don't throw this word around too, uh, too, com- too often, but this was a great movie and a great just a piece of art to remember Mr. Ben Hogan and, and Christo, I, I knew that this is, and I know that this is what you do for a living. I know that you're a filmmaker, you're a producer, you've been in films yourself. I was, I have to be honest with you, my friend, I was actually very surprised and I don't know why, but I was very surprised at just the value and the, uh, the quality of this film. You, you put a lot of work into this. You know, it's it's hard to even describe like the amount of effort that went into it. Um, I've made made a lot of projects in my life, and this one, um, you know, the strangest thing, Adam, is like I look at it now as the person behind the camera. You know that you know I'm filming it and editing it and producing it and all of these other things, but I forget the fact that there's a person on screen that's basically walking you through Mr. Hogan's story, and that's me. And the craziest thing is my evolution as a golfer that took me to the place where I could actually be in contact with folks that knew my idol. And so it's a strange intertwining of my story and Mr. Hogan's story. It's like I go on an adventure, and the adventures reveal Mr. Hogan's true character his desire to make the best clubs, and eventually even the secret. <laughs> it was it was crazy to watch, it, it, and you you can kind of picture this, Christo. I'm sitting in my office. I'm watching the the documentary. I've got my notebook in front of me because I knew I wanted you to come onto the show to talk about it, and I'm just jotting down little little bullet points of things that I pick up. And before too long, I have three pages of bullet points. <laughs> I, there, there was just so much educational material that I never knew about Ben Hogan that you you brought forth just so so wonderfully. You know, I tried to sneak it in there. Um, I really didn't uh, want it to be a golf swing tutorial, but I wanted to, as a narrative sneak those elements in so by watching the film you're actually realizing some great truths about the golf swing and how it functions so from the left hip to the right knee to the cupping and balance these are all crucial things that if you understand these things i think you'll be a better golfer i really mean it and listeners, when you go to Christo's YouTube channel, My Swing Evolution, you're going to learn not only how you can improve your game, but also get a quick look and an in-depth look, actually, at Ben Hogan's golf swing, because I don't think anybody does it better in terms of emulating it. And just you learn so much from what Christo and the, the body of, of content that he's provided so far. But Christo, in, in your documentary, Mr. Hogan, you this isn't just you in front of a camera you've got a team of folks that are that are obviously helping you produce and film the the uh the movie but you also have quite the cast of characters that you speak to who are some of the characters and some of the people that you spoke to throughout the documentary (laughs) well uh 
you know, I begin uh, in the first act, I get to meet the CEO and president of the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And I get a great tour that I'll, you know, we can talk about in a bit. And then uh, someone I'd always uh, wanted to meet was Chris Cheddar. And she is, she has an absolute fairy tale story of being taken under the wing of Ben Hogan when she was in college and he coached her onto the LPGA tour. And my goodness gracious, that in itself needs to be a movie. And then, you know, I get to meet with Marty Leonard, uh, who was Ben Hogan's, uh, her father was Ben Hogan's best friend and he sponsored Ben Hogan in his early years on tour. And so, you know, she was a child growing up while this was going on and, and regularly saw Mr. Hogan and was a part of his life. And then Jody Vasquez, who shagged golf balls for Mr. Hogan uh, from his uh, early 50s through his mid 50s when he was still really, really striking the ball well and entering in major championships. You know, Jody spent, he said, about three hours a day with him five days a week for four years, hmm. hitting golf balls, putting, chipping. So he really, really got the inside look at Mr. Hogan's practice and how he swung a golf club. And, and Jody's an amazing golfer. Like, he's, like, super bad. <laughs> so he ain't no joke. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, the most remarkable thing is uh, I got to visit and meet Chichi Rodriguez, who had some amazing Ben Hogan stories, and he was a huge Ben Hogan fan. And then one of Ben Hogan's peers, Jack Nicholas. My jaw dropped. Right? I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah, my, my jaw dropped when I was watching the video. I mean, I, no, honestly, I knew that he was going to be in the film at some point. You know, I was just thinking maybe a little pass, and you're going to bump into him at the driving range. But you actually got to sit down and talk to Mr. Nicholas for what seemed like quite a while. Yeah, it's at Jack's house. <laughs> no, no big deal. No big deal at all. I got to spend about two hours with Jack. Got to, you know, hang out, meet Barbara. Um, I actually directed them in a separate piece that same day for uh, Chi-Chi. Uh, Chi-Chi and Jack had a, um, a charity called Chi-Chi and the Bear that raised many millions of dollars so Chi-Chi could start something called the Chi-Chi Rodriguez Foundation. And to date, they've helped over 30,000 underprivileged children get a good education and learn the game of golf, uh, which has served them very well in their life. So uh, I was honored to be, a, to be asked to uh, actually work for the organization as a filmmaker. And I used that opportunity to then, uh, you know, ask them if they would mind discussing Mr. Hogan with me. And they were both very eager. So that's pretty remarkable. I won't spoil what both Chi-Chi and, and uh, Mr. Nicholas share on Ben Hogan. So, listeners, you'll have to go out and watch Mr. Hogan, the documentary, just to hear that. But, Crystal, I want to turn our attention a little bit to something you mentioned earlier. Towards the beginning of the film, you do visit the Ben Hogan Golf Company, and you go and you meet the then-president, uh, Terry Kaler, an, an individual that I've met, actually, who's a super nice guy. And you learn quite a bit from a historical perspective about the type of golf equipment that Ben Hogan not only used, but also eventually created uh, a point that you bring up in the film is how remarkably similar the bladed irons, for example, that Ben Hogan used throughout the years 
how how similar they are to today's golf clubs. Why do you think that is? Do you think that Mr. Hogan was so ahead of his time, or do you think that if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I think that uh, Mr. Hogan essentially optimized the percussive quality of, of an, a blade iron, and uh, you know where he where he wanted the mass to be, uh, you know, in a golf club that gave him that feeling of you know. You know, that feeling of a well-struck shot that goes up through the shaft, through your hands, and into your heart, you know? It's like when you hit a – I had these 84 Ben Hogan or 87 PC irons. I can't remember. I think that – wait, maybe they're 84. But I was using them in the Hogan code, and I was drilling those things. <laughs> and I'll tell you, they're very rewarding when struck on the sweet spot. But they're also equally unforgiving if you're catching them off the toe and stuff like that. So, you know, his uh, his clubs required precision. That's his entire game was about precision. And the thing that's so remarkable to me is the degree of precision he developed in his golf swing, which you may recall what Jack told me about his greens and regulation in a row at a U.S. Open, which is unfathomable. I don't even want to bring it up because – it, I've, I've mentioned it to people. I think it's a, it can't be true, you know. Yeah. So, but Mr. Hogan was the ultimate ball striker. The number of consecutive greens in regulation that that <laughs> Nicholas mentions is insane. I, I agree with you completely, and I'm going to leave that for uh, for the listeners of this to go and watch in the documentary. Uh, but Christo, one of the things that I found also extremely interesting. You know that in our past conversations when we were talking about the Hogan Code, uh, I battle a hook, and I think a lot of you know better-than-average players also hit a hook. And certainly Mr. Hogan, where while I am not comparing myself to Ben Hogan, <laughs> so listeners, don't jump on that. But he also, and he, he's, he's been well-known to have battled a hook throughout his career, but what you learned during your visit to the Ben Hogan Golf Company was that he actually set his golf clubs open a little bit with the ridge and the grip. Was that as surprising to you as it was to me? Um, it, it was. When I when I opened my eyes, the, the, the club face looked appeared to be open, I, I would estimate, maybe 20 to 25 degrees. Like, it was very, very open. Wow. And I believe that, you know, Mr. Hogan did – pronate and supinate in the golf swing. He wasn't a hold-off swinger. And uh, I think that just let him, like, his entire body work in – it's very similar to a baseball swing, you know, the way he released the golf club. And by having that club – he he always set the club open at a dress. It was – you know, he's already holding it that way, probably because the reminder was setting it there. And that's, you know, Venturi said, do you always set the – club open at address he said yes ken even if he wanted to hit a draw remarkably hmm. so I, I don't know man i mean i i think i've i've really drilled down a lot of this but basically the thing is he you know i've heard that he hit a fade night you know if he could hit a draw at any moment that was not a question you know that's what he played his whole life was a right to left shot but once he really got a method where he knew the worst thing was going to happen is a straight ball. And then he was just unstoppable. You know, it would just in the, the penetrating, the, the description to me of the penetrating fly 
basically took off straight like a rocket and fell to the right. So it was just a, a hint of a fade, you know. So, I mean, shoot, that'd be nice to own. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> what was the most surprising or interesting tidbit that you picked up with your visit to the Ben Hogan Company? Um, you know, I really, really enjoyed being able to look at the case that had all the iron designs from 1953 through, I think through the nineties or maybe even two thousands. Uh, but again, even though the, you know, the, the look of them, the stampings may be different. You know, a lot of the, the essential blade design, you know, there weren't a lot of, there's like that apex model with the double muscle, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the person model, which is like basically just a straight up blade model. Like you would pick up a Titleist, for example. I mean, with that same little curved toe to the muscle on the back. And I mean, it's just so, I mean, what else are you going to do to a blade? I mean, use the finest quality, you know, iron or metal you can get shape it into that shape and it's like you know then you're just splitting hairs about cosmetics you know absolutely and i think we see a lot of different cosmetic attempts at different cosmetics in today's uh better player irons and even in the game improvement irons of today and you know i know christo obviously you're you're a great player and you and you know anyone that watches your youtube channel knows that you you put a lot of speed on the on the golf club you 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 pack a lot of punch in that shot and it's just the sound that you produce when you hit golf balls and how it translates through your youtube channel is something that you know people should emulate but there's even a a reference and i believe uh, chris cheddar said this when you spoke with her the sound that ben hogan made at impact uh, people have talked about that pretty frequently did you guys uh, off camera talk any more, you and uh, Miss Cheddar, about that sound and and just how he reached that impact position? Uh, well, well, what we talked about, I think, uh, is in the film. Uh, we may have talked a little bit more about it, but she just said that it was just so unique. And when I talked to Jody Vasquez about it, he said, absolutely, there was a very strange sound. But the funny story is Jody Vasquez said that he was at a pro golf tournament and he caught a sound and he thought it was the same sound that Ben Hogan made. And he looked over and it was Hal Sutton. And so there's something about the trapping action of the way I I, I think that they – were you know just the way they trapped the ball and here's another element that Jody told me he said he's trapping the the living daylights out of the ball but his divot is very shallow you know hmm. and so that's what created the percussive element of of the strike was this this strange combination i think he caught the ball a little bit on the inside on the heel which might have been the way that, you know, he zeroed out that ball flight and then it just died to the right. You know, it's just where he's catching it, close to the heel, trapping it, shallow, super shallow divot and entry exit. And it's just, you know, he just owned it. You know, it's just so cool. I don't know what it sounded like. I, you know, I can't trust that the sound on those old videos, I think they just punched in golf club hit sounds but i wish i knew what it was like in person 
Yeah, I, I imagine they probably did a little creative editing uh, in additions with that. You know, Christo, what I liked so much, I, I liked many things about the documentary, but what I liked so much was just the personal connection that you showed as a fan of this man, Mr. Ben Hogan, and the having the opportunity to go and visit all of these places in Mr. Hogan's life. You went to the golf course that started everything for him. You went even... And uh, you you went to find or attempted to find the the site of his infamous car accident, and then towards the end of the film, you actually go and you pay your respects at Mr. Hogan's final resting place. What can you describe the the roller coaster of emotions? I'm sure that you felt when you were not only approaching those those locations before arriving there, but also afterward. There was, uh, first of all, there's, there's sort of like a personal connection. There's, I, I've made many films in my life, and I've attempted many films that, regardless of the force of will, they just don't seem to get off the ground. You just can't seem to get any momentum. And, and when you're making a piece of art that's going to take years, um, that's a really tricky thing. But for some reason, this film, I almost felt as if I was being pulled through the film and meeting these people. Like, I, I didn't know how to get in touch with Jody or Marty or, you know, somebody sent me Chris Cheddar's email address. It, I, 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 Mr. Hogan, if there's any one lesson to learn from the life and career of Mr. Hogan is you can do anything you set your mind to. And the thing is, once I set my mind to finish this film, it was as if, you know, what is it, Goethe says, you know, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. And, you know, the way I wound up at Shady Oaks is a complete mind-blowing occurrence that is beyond, I can't even imagine. That is the, the highest compliment I could receive, you know. How did I wind up at Shady Oaks? Jeez, what is going on? <laughs> but it, it really, when I was, you know, like, like I'm pretty positive that I'm standing where his car got hit by a Greyhound bus and nobody's ever shown me that. I haven't seen it anywhere else, you know, standing in front of his final resting place, touching the letters of his name. It's like, it, it, I feel, I mean, the, the reason why Mr. Hogan's, legacy endures with such vigor is because for some reason people can relate to them the struggle the you know it's like we we love our heroes that go through hell for us and he did and i'm not the only person but this film i wouldn't be surprised if other people who are are as equally fascinated by the man will visit many of these same locations that i i get to share in the movie I know that I want to now, <laughs> so if nothing else, you, you, I, I want to go on a journey. Um, you mentioned the, the personal touch, and I know that there's always a story behind the story. And you went through a journey yourself while you were filming Mr. Hogan. You had some, some personal life events that, not necessarily catastrophic per se, but you had a pipe burst in your house. You almost died among tornadoes in Texas. I mean, 
not only are you going on this journey to to uh, visit the places that your idol and the man that you emulate visited and lived and played, but you also have these other life events that are occurring at the same time. Surely that had to play on your emotions a little as well. When I was driving from uh, Texas to Florida, I knew I had a movie in the can. Like if I didn't, if you know, if I didn't make it to Florida, I'd still have a great climax to my film. But I really wanted to get the, the ultimate ending. So I'm driving and Adam, I don't know how to tell you what it's like to at the last second see a tree that is probably 20 feet high, a barrier in the middle of a road and you have to swerve and like swerve to the point where your SUV is going to tip over, you know, to get out of the way of it. And it's like the only way this movie doesn't get finished is if my car gets destroyed or something, <laughs> something, you know, a God event, you know, and, uh, but that's, that's what was at stake. And it's, it's so crazy that, I mean, I didn't realize how bad it was until I realized how bad it was. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like you pull over to a gas station. There's not a piece of pavement, you know, where there isn't a car parked. And there's, you know, 60 people in a gas station, you know, packed in there and like worried to death. I mean, you saw those the video of the devastation is that day. I mean, that's what was going through East Texas that day. I mean, hmm. Cars were just destroyed, buildings completely just matchsticked. You know, it's crazy. But luckily, it, it narrowly missed us, and uh, I was able to make it to Florida. But uh, I was scared to death because I was like, I literally was like, should I run out to my SUV and get one of the hard drives? Because I had two of them. I was like, one should be on me right now. I'm so stupid. <laughs> because, you know, oh, yeah. It was uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff. There, there's stuff that's not even in the film. I actually had a knee injury uh, that had me, you know, I was uh, on a cane for a couple of weeks. But you know, that wasn't that wasn't that big a deal. But but yeah, it was it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, there were so many challenges, but but for some reason, you know, that it's like. You just keep plugging away, and then and then here it is today. I'm talking to you. The movie's done, and like, oh my gosh! And I'm glad that you're here, sir. I'm I'm glad that we have this opportunity to chat about it. Uh, and Christo, before I let you go, I had to, I have to ask just about the the luck or the fortune that you had to basically play the silhouette of Ben Hogan for a Golf Channel documentary. Uh, what? Again, how, this is Top secret still. Okay, so we won't, we won't get into that too much, though. But at the very least, listeners, when you uh, watch Mr. Hogan, you'll be able to, to hear and see what, what, what I'm talking about here. But obviously, people are becoming aware and are aware, Christo, of, of how, much you, um, how much Mr. Hogan means to you and how much you've uh, spent – of your time and of your energy to kind of bring Mr. Hogan's story to us, not only his story, but also his golf swing. And I got to tell you, my friend, I am just very impressed with everything that you've done. And you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and I'm going to continue watching as uh, this journey, I hope continues. You know, I, I even find myself, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm a little burned out. Like this last uh, six months has been super intense 
but what I really, really wanted to do was capture some of the firsthand accounts in the history of Ben Hogan by people who knew him personally and worked with him, worked on the golf swing with Mr. Hogan. These, these things are, are absolutely crucial to try and preserve because there were even people that I was set to interview that passed away before I got to meet them. You know, so, you know, Mr. Hogan you know, left us 20 years ago and, and every year more and more people, you know, leave that, you know, didn't see him. And I am convinced, I try and make the case that, you know, his influence may be greater than any golfer that ever lived because first of all, you can say these problems, Probably considered a top five golfer because of his record. But if you were to drill it down to just the years after he figured out the secret to his last tour win, you know, in those seven, eight years, I mean, he won. Uh, I mean, his win percentage is just so incredible. Like, had he not had the accident, what could have happened? There's so much to talk about. But I think that he was, I, I believe he's the greatest swinger of the golf club in history. Um, I think his short game failed him as his eyesight left him, you know, but, uh, I, I believe that as far as just striking a ball and ha having to make, you know, obey your commands, I think that he was probably the greatest. Um, and then he moved on to make the greatest golf clubs of, of his time period. Certainly they were the number one irons on the PJ tour for many years, you know, so you're talking about when he moved into a completely different arena um, in terms of golf club design. And if you were to remove his instruction from the game, five lessons and power golf, the game of golf would look completely different. His influence over the instruction of the golf swing is so tremendous, you know, it's just, you know, and then you throw in, it's the greatest comeback story in the, in the, the game of golf. There's no, absolutely no question. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's just the man, you know, the the amount that Mr. Hogan has given back to the game, and you even referenced this briefly in the film, is unmatched in my opinion. It's just incredible. I mean, obviously the greats of Nicholas Watson, Palmer, others, Trevino, player. I mean, they, they're all they're all known for what they've contributed to the game. But I I would go so far as to say Mr. Hogan did the most, and for the reasons partially of what you just outlined. Anyone who's ever picked up a golf club and has learned how to swing that club post-1950, there's a little Hogan in that, and it continues today. And so we, we've we learned a great deal of that from not only what he wrote, but also you've taken that up as well, and you continue to spread that message with My Swing Evolution, with films like uh, Mr. Hogan. And uh, we, we hope that more comes down the pipe. And, and Christo, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find and purchase Mr. Hogan? Well, I have a website called MySwingEvolution.com. And uh, Mr. Hogan is available uh, as a digital download. You can click it and watch it uh, right now. Um, we'll probably, maybe in, uh, it'll probably take uh, about six to eight weeks for us to get DVDs made, but we'll have those available then. But right now you can go to MySwingEvolution.com and uh, that's the repository of all my work. All my videos are there and uh, 
I'm, 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 I'm shocked and amazed at what my swing evolution has become. But, uh, but I'm, I'm really proud that, you know, I've been blessed in the manner that I have to be able to, to do this because it all started because I was such a frustrated and poor golfer. Um, I just real quick in 2009, you know, I was on the 18th hole, uh, with playing with some friends and the scorecard was 108. I was out of golf balls and I gave up. I'm like, no, I'll give you a golf ball. No, I don't want to play anymore. I just don't want to play anymore. <laughs> and now I can get it around pretty well. Well, so that it's just a thrill. Well, it's a thrill to always speak to you, Christo. Uh, we'll do it again here in the near future. Listeners, you can follow Christo on his YouTube channel, My Swing Evolution. He's already given his website, MySwingEvolution.com. You can follow him on Twitter at MySwingEvo, E-V-O. And you can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. Christo, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy day to talk about Mr. Hogan with us. Man, I'm so glad that we're friends, Adam, and, and I think that it really all comes down to enthusiasm, and I'm reminded of that moment when Jack Nicklaus remembers the first time he knew about Ben Hogan, and it was the magical year of 1953, and he's telling me about listening to Hogan win on the radio at the U.S. Open, and then what do you know, it only took seven short years, and Jack's right there with Mr. Hogan. Incredible story. Listeners, we'll be back again with another episode of this podcast next week. Until then, this is your friend Adam signing off. <laughs>